WDBM East Lansing. Bringing you sports from NBA to NHL to NFL and more. But more importantly, bringing you the full rundown on MSU Spartan Sports. We cover it all. Get us on the phone at 432-3893. And now, the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Hey, what's going on, everybody? My name is Scott. You are listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on the Impact 88.9. I'm sitting here, as usual, with Pavel. Pavel had a fun weekend. He went back home to St. Louis, got to watch the Blues in action a few times. Yeah, I got to see Sarah Palin. Great. That was exciting. Yeah. Unfortunate. You, you, sound, you sound thrilled. It was, it was unfortunate. She was the reason our goalie, ex-Red Wing Manny Legacy, got injured. There's a carpet rolled out for Sarah Palin, and Legacy stepped on it as the team was coming out. His Are leg you serious? went one way, his other leg stayed one the other way, and he strained his groin. Are you serious? He pulled his groin coming out for warm-ups before the game. Oh, man. He slipped on the carpet they had set out for Sarah Palin. Wow, that's... <laughs> Our starting goal, it's goaltender. So needless to say, the uh, John McCain campaign lost a few votes in the St. Louis area after that game. And then that was a sellout. That game on Friday night was a sellout. Blues and Kings. And as soon as Palin dropped the puck, I couldn't even tell in the stands whether she was getting booed or what. She got booed in the Flyers game two weeks ago. Right. But as soon as she left, I think at least a co- like maybe a thousand fans left too. They just bought tickets to see Palin and just split after she had, before the game even started. Wow. Wow, that's that's very surprising. Uh, but enough about Palin. We've got a big of rivalry game of course. to get to. I'm sure people are surprised to hear us lead in with <laughs> some talk about Sarah Palin. Of course, we finally did it. We won in Ann Arbor, beat U of M. I don't care what anybody says, a win is a win is a win, no matter what. You can't you can't take anything away from it. Oh, it's we're in a transition. Yeah, we know. Your team's not very good. Your offense is struggling, sure. But I was thinking about this. We scored 35 points. And their defense, looking through, they have eight upperclassmen starters, seven seniors starting on that defense. Now, Rich Rodriguez comes in, and he changes the whole offense. That doesn't mean anything to your defense. In most games, you give up 35 points. You're probably not gonna win. Just in, just kind of in general, I wouldn't expect that. If MSU is giving up 35 points a game, we're probably not gonna be winning all those. It, 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 it was scary. That game was scary. It, it was scary. I had a lot of uh, anger that I wanted to uh, unleash. I, unfortunately, I kept bottling it up, and it ended up well. I didn't have to unleash any of that anger. Um, I felt ended up feeling weird after the game, you know, because it's like when the Red Sox first won the World Series and broke the curse. I mean, yes. you didn't know what to feel. You were exhilarated. You were happy, but you didn't really know what to do now. Yeah, the monkey's finally off our backs. First time in seven years we've beaten Michigan. First time since 1990 that we won at the big house. You know what Mark D'Antonio said in the post-game press conference, this isn't just a program win. This is a win to set the tone for the future of this rivalry, for the future of the in-state battle. It's finally a rivalry. Yeah. I mean, in all fairness, it's been said before, it it's a rivalry, sure, because we hate each other, but it's not really a rivalry until we started winning games. You know, and, and the, the best thing, the the thing that really made it worthwhile for me was watching it on TV and seeing two, two weeks ago we saw Ohio State sing their fight song at Spartan Stadium. Yes, get the OHIO cheer going and on. this week you see the green and white, the only people left in the stands at the big house singing the Michigan State fight song at the big house after a victory. That was special, and I'm glad I got to see it while I'm still a student here in my last year. That was special. Oh, yeah. I I got to be down on the field for the last six minutes of the game, somewhere around there. And actually, uh, Rouse scored the touchdown right in front of me. And I I couldn't believe it. I was just going nuts down there, sitting with Sparty. I think I probably almost broke his face. I jumped into him so hard with a <laughs> hug at one point, And I kind of knocked him around a little. He wasn't expecting it. I was just so excited because I had, a, like you were saying, I had a, all that bottled up because I couldn't do anything up in the press box and finally got down on the field. and 
I didn't know how to act. I got out. The team came out. They got the Paul Bunyan trophy and was celebrating. Went over to the stands where the biggest section of MSU was. And the team was just, they were like little kids. Just like little kids. They were so happy. Everybody had huge smiles. They were just bouncing around. And the joy that resulted from that game there's no way you can take that feeling away from anybody there. It's That'll last forever. Going into Ann Arbor and beating them, especially with everything that's been said in the past, you've got all the little brother and all of that stuff thrown in, and it's just a great win. Of course, the final score is 35-21. to 21, And it, I would say it was a lot closer than that, but then again, it wasn't. It was, and Michigan State really, really had success on both sides of the ball. It was a few, a handful of plays. We just made some dumb mistakes at the wrong time, and we could not. There were a few, few trips into the red zone where we could not score. Brett Swanson was 0 for 3 on field goals, and that was that was big. And then we allowed them right before halftime. We went down and scored a touchdown with about a minute left, and then we had a short kickoff. And they returned it to about the 40, somewhere around there. Had a big pass play over the middle, then a big run, then pass interference in the end zone, and they scored a touchdown to tie it up. And that that just killed everything. Then, of course, U of M comes out and they score in the third quarter, so they're up 21-14. And we we couldn't do anything until late in the third quarter. It was... I don't even know. I think there were about four minutes left in the third quarter when we scored You know, I, to tie it up. And then, then of course, we finally, things kept clicking. And Javon Ringer was able to break free a few more times. Blair White had a huge game. We hit him, and we closed out the game on a 21-0 run, which is how it should have been. We finally, defense got some turnovers. We had chances to intercept the ball early, but the DBs just dropped it. I know Rucker dropped one. Johnny Adams was a little late on a break. We could have had huge plays. I bet they'll practice that this week. Oh, yeah. Catching those interceptions by the corners and the defenders. But I think a lot of it was not that Michigan, the Michigan defense was stopping our offense. It was our offense stopping themselves. Oh, it, it was. It was our offensive line letting guys get through. It was, it, it was our defense you know, stopping itself, too. It was letting them, dropping the interceptions, giving them a second chance. You know, they're going to capitalize if you give them a second shot. I mean, Stephen Threat, wow. All of, of all the mistakes he made, the ones we capitali- capitalized on were the ones late. The yeah. late interception by Rucker was huge. Yeah. That was, that pretty much sealed it up for us right there. Well, I mean, Michigan, they... They had 252 yards of total offense, at 84 rushing and 168 passing. We had 167 yards rushing, and that's with 40, let's see, 45 yards rushing taken away because of the sacks of Hoyer. He was sacked, I think, four times, five times by Brandon Graham, the defensive end oh, who was, was running his mouth. He mean, was the one. He was the one who uh, made the comments of how. <laughs> We, gonna we're not going to lose to Michigan State because we don't lose to Michigan State. Like, wow, that's very, very, uh, very yeah. deep there. <laughs> but it, 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 you kind of believed it, though, didn't you? For a moment during that game, I oh, believed I it. definitely did. I was fully believing that there's just something about when Michigan State plays Michigan that they're just not themselves. They do not play like they're capable of playing. And like you, you texted me that it's in Michigan State's head to, you know, to play terribly against Michigan. And I not, said, I said to not, lose the game, not make those big plays. I mean, yeah, a lot of those interceptions that they dropped, if they're playing someone else, if they're playing Illinois, if they're playing Iowa, those would probably be caught, absolutely. But it's that extra little pressure that makes them drop it. No, it's a, that big of a rivalry game. And of course, there's. Big big discussion about this. I I couldn't believe when the play happened. I was irate. Oh, I, I was absolutely irate. It took it took all of my strength to not just go nuts. No one in the press box could believe it. Either Michigan or Michigan State media. The touchdown to I think it was Brandon Miner, their running back. Yep. It was a pass. 
thrown out. Pretty good coverage by Ryan oh. Allison. I do. It was either Eric Allison Gordon. or Gordon. It was Eric Gordon. Okay, by Eric Gordon. And it was thrown right to the front corner of the end zone. And he made a fantastic catch. I'll, I'll give him credit for that. He caught the ball. It was a great catch. He came down, and he didn't get a foot in bounds. I mean, first off, his foot was six inches out of bounds. The first, his, I'm not sure which one, if it was right foot or left foot, but the first foot that came down was a good six inches out of bounds. And right there, that should be no catch. He's out of bounds. But as he was coming down, or as he was kind of going up, he caught the ball, and his foot hit the pylon. So they called it no catch originally on the field the officials called it incomplete because he was he out, of bounds, out of bounds because he was never in bounds there's just no way around that he was never once in bounds and then they were sent it up to the booth to have it reviewed and they ruled that because he had possession and touched the pylon he was in bounds which is the exact wrong call I mean, there is no way around and, it. And they checked it, and uh, the broadcast booth, everybody in the stadium, everybody who was watching the game, they checked the official NCAA rules, Yes. and it said that if it hits the pylon but still goes out of bounds, then the pylon is ruled out of bounds. Yes, the pylon itself but is it set out of bounds. But to give the benefit of the doubt, it wasn't the referees on the field. No, they it was not. It, it was the ones who make the decision are the upstairs referees, the upper, upstairs guys who review it right so it was the upstairs guys who signaled the, the, the relayed their decision right. the umpire to the on field the, referees. the man in the white hat the umpire the official he is the one in the nfl he would look at the replay like he would go to the booth and physically look at it in college all he does is put on a headset and hears what they tell him the ruling is so he has no say he can argue back about it but it doesn't really do anything because they have the upper hand. And, I mean, if he had already had a foot inbounds, like say his first foot came down on the half-yard line, and then as he's going out of bounds, he touched the pylon. I'll give you that. I'll give that a touchdown. That's fine with me. Because all all that has to happen there is while you're ha- – before you come down out of bounds, you have to have the ball cross the plane. And a lot of people don't realize the goal line extends forever. I mean, in theory, the goal line circles the world because it never it never stops. You can jump three yards out of bounds as long as you get the ball you the physically plane. over and break the plane before you touch it down. It's still a touchdown. Lots of people don't realize that. But the thing is, he was never in bounds to start with. You know, and I, I think a lot, I think the entire world would agree that that play, that call was the absolute wrong call. And I wouldn't be surprised if Mark D'Antonio and the Michigan State coaching staff sent a copy of that tape to get reviewed by the Big Ten Conference. Oh, I'm certain that they will. Absolutely. If, if they aren't already reviewing it themselves. Yeah. Because there's, there's sometimes where there's a controversial call and you have people arguing both ways. But this, you could actually look at the rule book and see exactly where it says that and prove it 100% wrong. I mean, that... I never like to think the officials blew a big call or if they make the wrong call, it doesn't make that big of a difference. But that right there is just completely wrong. There's not, not even... It's not a judgment call, really. There's physical proof that... They they simply blew the call. Yeah, and the refs could have been on Michigan's side, but Michigan State won it fair and square. They scored all their touchdowns. They earned all of their touchdowns. Yes, definitely. They there weren't any questionable foot and bounce calls. Javon Rainer ran ran right to that end zone, right oh, yeah. right through it. Blair White, absolutely. Blair White had a huge game. He is here's a former walk on player, former scout team player. Who he finally? I don't. He was put on scholarship two years ago, maybe last year. Last year, I think it was last he, year. He was put on scholarship. The first catch he caught was in the Champs Sports Bowl. He okay. caught three passes yeah. in the Champs Sports Bowl, and that's the first time I've had ever heard of yes. Blair White. Uh, he made a block early last season that sprung, I think, Mark Dell for a touchdown, or probably Devin Thomas, more likely. I remember that, but he didn't play hardly at all. 
And Blair White, he had he only had four catches, but it was four catches for 143 yards and a touchdown. And this was he got all those yards by breaking a tackle because most of those he caught the ball over the middle, broke a tackle, and took off for the end zone. He got most of those yards on two dis- two distinct plays. The one was the what was 69 yard touchdown to open the game, mm-hmm. and the other was a huge third down conversion. It's a 50 yard catch. He caught it on the sideline on the right side, broke a tackle, cut towards the middle, and sprang for an extra 20 yards after that first hit. Yes. So that was absolutely so impressive and. It can only open up the game, the passing game, more for B.J. Cunningham and Mark Dell. Oh, yeah. And now you got just another weapon, Blair White, and he's got a couple more years to go. Exactly. And the thing that really surprised me is I was a little disappointed. When we got down in the red zone, we kind of bogged down, like I said, Swenson went 0 for 3 on field goals. But we didn't use our tight ends hardly at all in this game. And that that's something that it's kind of worried me because there's been a few games where we use Charlie Gant a lot and... We are very successful with it. He's shown great improvements from the first two games of the season. And in this game, he only had one catch. Granted, it was for a touchdown. But I think we need to use them a lot more, especially over the middle. It it didn't seem like Hoyer was even looking to him. He, I mean, Brian Hoyer had a fantastic day. He was named Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week, which I, I don't think hardly anybody saw that one coming, that it'd be him. He probably, probably second in the voting would have been Javon Ringer, who ended up on the day, he had 37 carries for 194 yards and two touchdowns. I had no clue he got up to almost 200. I mean, I knew he was at around 150. But I think if anybody, if everybody did see that game and you saw the kind of work that Javon Ringer put on in that game, every time he would get up and give the ball back to the referee, he nicked his shoulder up a little bit. He's kind of trying to shake off his shoulder, it's sore. He's just physically drained, and he's still getting back there and getting behind center, behind the quarterback, still taking handoffs, and he's still going, and he scored a touchdown. I mean, he was physically drained. I, I couldn't believe he was still even like running the ball, and they kept giving it to him. I mean, that was the first time I'd actually seen the the physical the workload take a toll on him. Yeah. And it's it's gonna be tough. He's got four more games left, and you know, three. Well, three. Sorry, four counting the bowl game. Sorry, but three more games left of the regular season, and it it could very well be draining on him. Now, I mean, he has to he had to carry this team for basically all of our games. I mean, seven. Seven out of the eight games. Ohio State, he really wasn't used too much because we were down early. But I would imagine, and I'm sure he might admit to it, that he's not 100% now. He'll probably say he's like 95. But he is, I mean, 37 carries this late into the season. Getting hit that many times and getting tackled, it it does. It wears down on your body, I'm sure. After Every week, imagine that. You're getting knocked down and having 300-pound guys on top of you about 30 times a game and not not usually hit too lightly that that would start wearing on you well the guy who uh led the ncaa in most carries last year you know who that was kevin smith kevin smith lions yes and uh you know he was a big a bigger guy a stockier guy he's more like a beanie wells build wasn't he no no <laughs> no I th- no I th- I th- he was a bigger guy no he's tiny he's very small well how did he handle the workload he didn't have to go up against nearly the as Big good Ten, a defense. as physical as the uh, yeah. Big Ten defense. Yeah, right. Okay. Exactly. That's why. I mean, he was playing down in the Sunshine well, Conference or whatever it is. Well, what do you think about? Okay, we've got the. It sets up now. We're seven and two. Yes. We play Penn State to end the year. Yes. Not that to look, could not to look be, ahead, but that is of course, of course, that defense flies around. That defense shut down Ohio State. Shut down Beanie. Shut down Pryor. And they are going to pop Ringer every chance they get. That is true. And so we've got these next two home games, Mm Wisconsin-Purdue. Just slash Javon's workload, maybe three quarters. The problem problem is, is I agree agree with you, that 
that would make sense. And especially, I'm so happy to see Brian Hoyer step up in this game because I was a little worried. I mean, I was the one who was saying I wouldn't be surprised if Kirk Cousins was starting or playing. I mean, I, I'm i not a Hoyer hater. I haven't been. I've, I've supported the beginning of the season. I supported him when everybody was hating him after that bowl game. But I figured his time had kind of come. He wasn't playing well. He really stepped it up. That's going to be huge if we can establish the pass. But the problem that we have is we don't have an established backup running back right now. Because it seemed like Andre Anderson early in the season was doing well. He had one carry, and he fumbled. So that's why Ringer's numbers are so high. Because if you get one chance and you cough up the ball, uh, you're on the bench the whole rest of the game. And... Neither one, Leggett or Jimerson, has really proven themselves this year yet. Then put Glenn Winston in there. Winston, some game experience. Winston wasn't dressed for the game on Saturday. He, he injured? I'm not sure. There could be another. There could be numerous reasons as to why he didn't dress, but he was not returning kicks. I was surprised he wasn't on the dress list. And I mean, he. He was a freshman. He came in. He's played well in three games. Well, made an impact on the kick return. Hasn't done much besides that. But, yeah, I that's that's one of the main reasons Ringer got so many carries. But, sure, give the ball to somebody else. Try somebody else. If we have a big lead, by all means, I'm sure that they'll try to back off on his his carries to save him. In that game, you, you kind of led into it a little, the Penn State game. Not I'm not looking ahead from our aspect. For them or for the nation, that could be that probably will be the biggest game of the season. Because Penn State beat Ohio State on Saturday thirteen to six. And it was an ugly, ugly game. And I mean they they scored a touchdown. One touchdown in the game. It was a backup, the backup quarterback to Daryl Clark. And he, because Clark got kind of knocked out by James Laronitis. He got hit hard. He he was asked a few questions on the sideline. He answered them incorrectly, and he wasn't allowed to play anymore. And so, I mean, the game, I didn't get to see it. I was on my way back from Ann Arbor. But reading about it and seeing the highlights, it was just an ugly, slow game. Terrell Pryor's not quite there yet. He was there against us, apparently, but not <laughs> not anymore. He's still young. But they have Penn State's next games at Iowa, which it could could be tough. Sean Green's you never know a very the good. Big Ten and the Big right. Ten on the road. You right. never do. But then they have Indiana at home. Indiana did just knock off Northwestern. But uh, Northwestern and Penn State are not not on the same level by any means. I and mean, Kellen Lewis isn't even playing. Right. Ben Chapel played. Right. And and then us at home. Which in I mean I I would be surprised if Penn State was not undefeated, eleven and zero coming into that game against us. And that will be huge because if Penn State loses one game there's no way that they play for the BCS national championship. I mean, they. I think they're good enough. If they're lost, if they would have lost to Ohio State, it'd be different. They could have a chance, but there's such a bias against the Big Ten right now because of Ohio State's performance in the last two national championship games that the only way they have a chance to get into that game is to win out. Is to win out. And I mean, you've got to think Texas right now is undefeated, and. I don't know how they're doing it. They just beat Oklahoma State, a very tough team, 28-24. Colt McCoy is just unbelievable. Don't tell me game day is going to Lubbock, Texas next week. <laughs> I, I couldn't actually tell you. I'm not sure where they're going. Texas I and Texas Tech. I, I said this, I think, last week, but I just cannot see Texas finding it in them to get up for a yet a fourth straight top ten team to beat them. I mean, Oklahoma State was pretty close in knocking off Texas. Yes. I think Texas Tech and, is riding high with Graham Harrell, their Heisman oh, yeah. candidate. Five and, touchdowns, one rushing. Uh, they scored 56 points. 63. They oh, added 63. another touchdown. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it takes a toll on you when you got to get up for a top ten team every week. Right. But it says something about the Big 12. A one-loss Big 12 team could 
be a national title contender. Definitely, especially because they have a Big 12 championship game. And that, the Big 10 probably will, in the future, you know, try to find another team, do something so that they can get a championship game in, in our conference. Get, do something where they split it up. But because we don't have that, it's an extra game that doesn't, it takes away from whoever wins the Big Ten because they don't have to play that championship game. But you've got to figure, I mean, if Texas wins out, they're for sure number one. The, the, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They are, they've proven it. I mean, no one can say that they haven't so far. Then you go to the SEC. And the SEC, as much as we have a bias against us, uh, the Big Ten, that is, to not put a team in the national championship, the SEC, people are biased to put a team from there in because LSU. of how they've done. LSU always gets in there with, no matter if they have a loss right. or not. They and and they've done it. well. I mean, Florida won with Tebow and Leak. LSU won. It's, they have a known record. They've set a precedent of doing well in big games. And so that way, people would rather put a one-loss SEC team in than an undefeated Big Ten team. And that's not even counting in USC, who is a fantastic team. They just always stumble to one team. And, I mean, it's it's going to be ridiculous. Right now, the BCS rankings, Texas is number one. Alabama is number two. But they're, Didn't even, they're, they're undefeated. You can't take it away from them that they're undefeated at this point, but I, they are a very, very un, underappreciated number two team. And then, of course, Penn State's number three. So who's your national championship matchup right now? Right now? Yeah. Right now, I'd say it'd be Texas-Penn State. I think that's about right. Texas Penn State or Texas Alabama, but if you're going down to it to complete the season, Alabama schedule and Penn State schedule, Penn State will earn points if they still beat Michigan State. Michigan State should be right. should be pretty high up there. We're ranked number twenty one in the BCS right now. And we've now. got two home games coming up which we'll be favored in against Wisconsin right. and Purdue. Wisconsin's struggling. They beat Illinois. Wisconsin just snapped a four game losing streak in the Big right. Ten. Right. They're really falling off. And, you know what, at the beginning of the year, they said that Michigan State has one of the tougher Big Ten schedules, and we're 7-2. and two. Yeah. We're Tougher because, because we nobody played. expected Wisconsin to be this right, bad. Right, Everybody highly. expected Curtis Painter to have Purdue up there. That is also true. Northwestern was expected to do this well. Nobody expected Minnesota. I mean, we're not, we don't play Minnesota, but the Big Ten is really, really good. We have, I think, five teams that are bowl eligible right now. That's more than any other conference. So as much as people will say that the Big Ten is down, granted it's we're beating on the lesser teams. On the max schools. Yeah, exactly. But still, we do have that many teams eligible. But I then then you can throw in I mean when you when you think of it that way, right now I would say that. But Texas, I just I just can't see them winning out. That I, like they're, I said, they're a fantastic they're, team. They, they're bound to burn out. Exactly. And Colt McCoy is, if I had a vote for the Heisman, I'd vote for him. He had another, just a fantastic game. I mean, I can't, I've got his stats here somewhere. He was 38 of 45 for 391 yards and two touchdowns. And I think he might have run for another one. I'm not positive. I mean, how can he consistently put up those numbers? If he can... Then give him the Heisman. Give him, oh, yeah. give him a national championship game. You know, let them play for it. If he can put up those kind of numbers, those are like video game numbers they that he are. put up. They are. Well, then, then the thing is, Texas Tech is also undefeated right now still. If they beat Texas, they'll move up to number three. Probably. In the B- they have to it, move up Alabama to number three in the BCS. Number one, Alabama number or two. Penn State, depending on how the computers Assuming they all win. That, that of course, who knows? It's it's crazy. But the thing is, if Texas loses to Texas Tech, how many big games do they have left where they can really move up the ladder in the BCS? They've played all their prime 
teams. They'll have, they'll have the Big 12 championship game. Yeah, that's the one game they have that will move them up in the rankings a considerable amount in the BCS rankings. But they've played all their talent, their good teams already. Yeah. I. Who knows? And I still, I still think that Florida is. If I had to rank teams right Quietly, now, I'd up. put. I would put Texas at number one. I mean, if it was my own rankings, and it's it's so weird how it works because if you lose a game, you drop so far. I mean, USC is still a fantastic team. They don't deserve to be ranked as low as they are. I mean, I, mean, I think they're probably, I think they're five or something. But I'd put Texas at number one and Florida at number two and Penn State at three because Florida is just rolling right now. They destroyed LSU. Granted, LSU just got... 51 or 52 dropped on them by Georgia. And but Florida they they beat Kentucky 63 to 5. No, they gave up a safety. I think it was on a punt, <laughs> snap over the head because oh, the ball yeah, went through yeah. the I end zone. I saw that, yeah. <laughs> so I mean <laughs> Kentucky got a field goal. And and Florida they they just ripped through him. Tim Tebow is coming back. He's in he's in his Heisman form now, and they should. I'm not sure what their schedule is to finish out, but they are definitely favorites to win the SEC, even over Alabama. That's that's how much disrespect Alabama's getting. That they don't even they're they're number two and undefeated, but they're still not favored to win their own conference. But I mean, it's it's going to be crazy, even. Even the Big Ten, trying to add, trying to keep all this straight. If we went out, just just saying that, if we do, we could go to the Rose, the Rose Bowl. Bowl. I mean, theoretically, we'd be the Big Ten champion. It, it, it all depends on. In the old days, we definitely would go to the Rose Bowl. We'd go to the BCS Bowl that they want us, that they put us in. But the most most likely it'd be the Rose Bowl because, yeah, yes, we lost to Ohio State, but they lost to Penn State. We'd beat if Penn. we beat Penn State. That's one loss for each of us in the Big Ten. Even assuming Minnesota wins out and goes eleven and one, they still have one loss in the Big Ten. So there's four teams all at or that or that Big Ten record seven, be? And, seven one. and one. Then. The the tiebreaker, it's not who you lost to. Well, part of it is. But the tiebreaker is the team that played the fewest Division One AA or Bowl Champion Series, whatever. Division One AA teams, the team that played the fewest of those is put on top. So any team that played a Bowl subdivision, like the Youngstown State, Coastal Carolina, yeah. or Montana, <laughs> are eliminated. So, Ohio State opened the season at Youngstown, Youngstown State. Penn State opened the season at Coastal Carolina. Minnesota played, I think, North Dakota State, North yeah. Dakota, or some some small school from out there. All three of those teams are pushed below us. We opened the we season played, at Cal. We've played the perfect schedule. We didn't play any Division One AA. Exactly. We played Cal. We went to. We played Notre Dame. We played Florida Atlantic. Well, this is in the Sun Belt, but it's still, right. still, still, yeah. still Division One. Absolutely. So I mean, and that's because if we went out, obviously that's then, why we, like I said, we had one of the tougher schedules because yes. everybody else had that puff game mm-hmm. to get their boost their confidence up. We had to play a monster game at Cal. Just think about if we had beaten Cal. Just oh, it, playing the if game, but <laughs> if we had beaten Cal, it would have been wow. fun. It, it would have made things really interesting. But I mean, Minnesota, this team is—it's going to be crazy. If they are seven and one, they just beat Purdue. They're—they beat Purdue seventeen to sixteen. Their only loss came to Ohio State. I was wrong. I think I said that they didn't play us, Penn State or Ohio State. They did play Ohio State. They lost to them early in the season, thirty-four twenty-one. Their remaining games are at home versus Northwestern, which is a tough, tough at game. At home against Michigan. At home against Michigan. At Wisconsin. Wisconsin is not the team that everybody thought they would be, but that's but a huge rivalry game. That's a huge rivalry game, and I think Wisconsin has something to prove to try to instill back that home field advantage. Right. They, I mean, they had the long, one of the longest winning streaks at Camp Randall 
for any home team, and I think they want to start up a new a new streak. Right. And I think they're going to battle it out, just like any team at home will. And I think Minnesota, that's a trap game for Minnesota. And I think that's the game they lose. Well, and then, then their final game is at home against Iowa, which Iowa's a very good team. They, they've just... They're a good team. They can't win the games. They're in the games, but they don't win them. And they've got enough talent where they could, but they just haven't been able to get over that hump. And, I mean, Minnesota right now is number 17 in the BCS. And if they if they went out, theoretically, if Penn State goes to a national championship game, Minnesota would go to... The Rose Bowl, then. And they'd probably play USC, and I don't think and it would happen. Because it would just be like Illinois last year. Illinois went, and no one could believe it. And I'm not sure if if Penn State goes to the national championship, if it is a certainty that the second-place team will go to a BCS game, I'm not positive. I, I don't think that it is 100% certain that they would. Because... The second team in the Big Ten right. would go to the Rose Bowl. Would they for sure since it's a BCS game? Uh, that's, what, that's what happened to Illinois last right. year since Ohio State went to the national championship. But I knew that it wasn't sure that they would. They got selected to. And I'm thinking... A, I think they have the chan- the the choice to go outside the Big Ten, but usually right. it would be the Rose Bowl. Right. And I think if they look at other, other potential suitors... Other the other bowl games have a specified a specific you know SEC school uh, in their standings. So the thing that I'm thinking is Minnesota. Most people are gonna see Minnesota as not being very good. They're they're a team that squeaked by to an 11-1 record because they didn't have to play anybody. And I wouldn't be surprised if it came down to it if they actually went with one of the non-BCS conference teams to play in that game, like a Utah or like a Boise State. BYU? BYU's struggling. They're dropping. Yeah. But but those two teams, because... Well, why not take another Big 12 school? Big 12, exactly. Pac-10. It could happen. It could. Because Big 12 it's... has so many teams. And just like last year where, what was it, uh, Oklahoma made a BCS a, a BCS game. Yes. And Kansas slipped into a BCS game. And, and Mizzou, Missouri. Mizzou did not play in a BCS. That's right. That's right. Because they're only allowed to take two from the same conference. and uh, They're only allowed to take two for a BCS game. And Mizzou slipped out because they lost you know, the Big 12 championship mm-hmm. game. Kansas was idle. They didn't play in the Big 12 championship because, because they had they already lost, lost to Last so year Kansas was kind of last year in. was the most ridiculous end to a season there could have been. I mean, you had I have down here LSU lost again to Georgia, so that puts them at two losses. And I would assume that they're out of the national title picture. But last year they had two losses and they won. So I mean, it it should be just a fantastic next three weeks, next four weeks to this season as it all plays out because it's just going to get ridiculous. There are so many possibilities, so many ifs, what happens here, and no one can predict how it's going to go. I mean, there, there's it's impossible. There's so many different things that could happen. It's This, this is why I love college football more than the there's pros. There's not much more, parity. Exactly. And it's, no, there is a lot of parity. Because you never know what's going to happen. Any team could beat any team. Well, that's true. Okay. <laughs> that's what I but, meant. Yes. Oh, yes. no, I know, what you mean. I know what you meant. But, I mean, college football, in my mind, these last few weeks, it doesn't get any better than that. It, just everything that could happen. The only thing that's better is the NCAA tournament. Just because of it's the NCAA tournament. But, I mean, that's that's enough of college football wow, we, there. We were wondering how much we would talk about, how much content we had for this show. We just spent 40 minutes talking about college football. You know football. what? You know, I'm fine with that. I'm it's, fine with that, too. It's college football season. And you exactly. know what? I, I could actually, I'm even better at college basketball, so stay tuned for that <laughs> later in the season because 
Wow, we could talk college basketball for the whole hour. Exactly. I like, I, I I college, like college basketball, basketball more. More than yeah. college football. We're in the same boat. It's just I, whatever I, season I, it is, I, I like it. it more. Because every day, college football is just every Saturday. Yep. College basketball, you have, you know, Madness Mondays, Super <laughs> Tuesdays. Oh, yeah. Whatever Wednesdays, Thursdays. Every day you of the week, know. there's some, somebody playing. That is true. Now, we'll we'll move on here. Another big thing. Coming up in about 20 minutes once we end here, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go home, put on my Phillies hat, and root for Cole Hamels for the Philadelphia Phillies to close out the World Series and beat the Tampa Bay Rays, win win the series four games to one, be the world champion, well, world champions, technically, World Series. The Phillies, the Philadelphia Phillies, have a three games to one lead in the best of seven series over the Tampa Bay Rays. Cole Hamels goes against Scott Casimir again, game one rematch. This time it's in Philadelphia. Cole Hamels, of course, won game one. The Phillies won game one. The Rays won game two, four to two, I do believe, over Brett Myers. Jamie Moyer, the oldest man in baseball. Pitched a fantastic game in Game Three. And then the Joe Phillies. Blanton with well, his arm and with his bat. Oh my gosh, it was it was unbelievable. There last night, the Phillies won ten to two. It turned into just a blowout. The Phillies, and I said it before, they led the National League in home runs, and they finally showed it. I mean, Ryan Howard hit two home runs. He had five RBIs. Jason Worth hit a home run, and Joe Blanton, a pitcher for whom they traded. Uh, the, basically the trade deadline. Got him from Oak, the Oakland Athletics, who are an American League team. He came over. He did He did reasonably well. He was in his last 13 starts, including the playoffs before the game. He was 4-0, which uh, that's not great. He should have had a few more decisions in there, but didn't lose. And in that time, he had one hit. As a National League pitcher, now he had to bat. He's He's been American League his whole career. He had one hit all season. So, of course, last night, playing in Philadelphia, he has to bat. He hit a home run himself. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I wasn't really paying attention. I was in on my computer checking uh, scores of the football that games. Was, it was basically like the nail in the coffin for oh. the race. Oh, it was. And bef- before we came on tonight, I said it. This reminds me, this year, of 2006, the Detroit Tigers riding high, you know, just... Coming off that dramatic ALCS win, Maglio walk off to send him to the World Series. Yes. They're riding high. They're favored in the World Series over the Cardinals, who back kind of into plotted the their way through. Yeah, the, season. the Cardinals had a mm-hmm. like a 500 record. They were the wild card, barely made the playoffs. And what happened? The team that really came to play won. The Cardinals won. The Tigers oh, yeah. made so many mistakes. Their yes. pitchers threw the ball away. Oh God! And yeah. you know what? The Rays, their Cinderella story is coming to an end. They finally came back to reality. They are a young team. They'll come. They'll be here again. They'll, All their starting pitchers again. are 26 or younger. Their average age is like 26. Yeah. So they'll, they'll That's be three here years again. older than I am. They'll be here again, but the team that should win, that I think has earned it, that has built their team, is built to be a World Series champion. Yes, it is. It's the Phillies. And, and their starting pitching has been unbelievable. And that's not even their their pitching in general has been fantastic. I mean, their bullpen throughout the season had the lowest ERA. Brad Lidge he received I don't know some like DLS whatever kind of like a UPS delivery sure delivery award for the most reliable closer. He received that today because he was forty one of forty one save up op- for save opportunities in the regular season, but. The starting pitching has been unbelievable. In the World Series, they I think Brett Myers gave up four runs. And Brett I, Myers is the guy that has really been up and down. He yes was the he was in the minor starter. He was the opening day starter. Mm-hmm. They got sent down to Triple A. You sent down. He was sent down to Single A at one it was point. Single A, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was just struggling to find himself. Suddenly came back, came out of the bullpen, and then he gained, regained his starting spot. Mm-hmm. So made a complete three sixty yeah. there. Well then, last night Joe Blanton he was he was just pitching phenomenally. Gave up a home run to Carl Crawford, I do believe, and, and Eric Hinsky. Okay, that's the other one. And then of course there was 
there's been two blown calls in this series, both the last two games. The the Phillies won in the bottom of the ninth inning in game three. They won, they but it shouldn't have ever been tied. Carl Crawford had a drag bunt to try to get on base. Jamie Moyer made a fantastic play, scooped the ball up in his glove, and shoveled it to Ryan Howard. Ryan Howard caught it with his bare hand, and it was clearly before Crawford touched the bag. The ump couldn't see it because the ball was on the other side of Howard's body, and and Ryan Howard is a huge man, and he called him safe. Of course, Crawford comes around to score, and the game ended up being tied 4-4 going into the bottom of the ninth. And it was just just a ridiculous play. I don't know if you saw it. I didn't get a chance no, to see, see it. it. I haven't seen but any games since game one or two. They've been very late. Of course, in that game, started an hour and a half late because of a rain delay. So it was like they've been over, overshadowed by other sporting events. Oh, they have. It's it's been it's been bad. I think this is the first year that I haven't really been able to catch a World Series game since that last first game. night. They didn't have Sunday night football, just so that more people would watch. I'm pretty sure. And because I, I ended up watching the movie on NBC instead. Wow, wow, that it, it, it was. You know what? It's just it wasn't that appealing. This World Series is just not that appealing anymore. You know, you love to see the Rays win, the the go get 'em kids, the up and comers, and they're exciting to watch. But when they're not scoring, when they're down, right? They they have a hard time getting think, back up. I think the ratings are going to be really down tonight. Because lots of people feel that the Phillies are shoo-ins to win. Cole Hamill's pitching at home. And watch the Monday night game. Exactly. A fantastic Monday night <sighs> football game. Indianapolis Colts, who are 3-3, three and three, trying to figure out what they're doing on the season. you got Peyton Manning, arguably the most likable quarterback in the league, most watchable. I don't know too many people who don't like him. He's the most schizophrenic this year. Yeah, he's he's been very hit or miss. Going up against the Tennessee Titans, who are 6-0. The only undefeated team left after the Steelers lost to the Giants yesterday. And, I mean, I haven't seen the Tennessee Titans do very much. And I I'm a very big Peyton Manning fan. I'll be flipping back and forth, that's for sure, because I do want to see the World Series game. But I'm sure there's tons of people who don't want to watch the baseball game. And the NFL is packaged so well. It's it's an entertainment spectacle more than it is a game. And there's so much action, and it's just shown so well. Whereas baseball is just, it's slow. I'm they, a they huge baseball fan, and its, I don't like it. They rely on its name. They rely on the, that it is America's game, that it is the great American game. They rely on that. They rely on its natural... You know, appear appeal to bring in fans, and you know this is why I'm going to watch the Monday night game because yes, the Tennessee Titans are six and zero. They haven't had a national game yet. They haven't had a Sunday right. night game. They haven't had a Monday game. You know, you've heard a lot about them, their running attack, their defense. You haven't seen them. I haven't been able to see them if I wanted to. Right. So they're going to get a Monday night game. They're going to get some exposure. The nation is going to be able to see exactly how good they are. Mm-hmm. Lindale White, and now Chris find out Johnson. why everybody's talking absolutely. about them. Absolutely, absolutely. The Colts, they're basically on Monday night, Sunday night every every, every couple every weeks. year. Every absolutely. year they have at least three games that are nationally televised. But this is the first time the Titans get their spotlight, and you know why I think they're going to win. I think they're going to beat the Colts. Unfortunately, because the Colts really need this game to really to really get back up on that horse and really try to get back in the division yeah oh yeah definitely because tennessee's in the division and they would drop to four games behind them because they would move to three and four whereas tennessee's seven and oh and there's not a lot of games left after that i mean nine games sure but you can't afford to drop too many after that but for all of those who do want to watch the world series game i'll give you what to watch for really now, and I was, I was saying, like, game three ended, it was like one thirty in the morning. I didn't see the ending, but it was a crazy play. Bases loaded, infield single by the catcher. who it, That's how they scored their winning run. No one would have expected that. But the thing is, for Tampa Bay, you said it, they, they were hot, and they're not anymore. They're not scoring runs. Carlos Pena and Evan Longoria, they're number three and number four hitters, respectively are combined 0 for 29 
with 15 strikeouts in the World Series. Their three through six hitters last night, B.J. Upton went 0 for 3 with two strikeouts as well. Mm-hmm. I, their three through six hitters struck out like over 10 times combined. Yeah. It was it was ridiculous. Yeah, and wow. that's that's the huge reason. I mean, those two. Carlos Pena, since he left Detroit, <laughs> has been doing doing well the last two seasons. He's been doing very well. Evan Longoria, of course, rookie phenom, who they just, the Phillies figured out how to pitch to him, and their pitchers have executed. I don't think it's much as much, yes, they were figured out a little bit, but it's. I think the Rays are pressing now. Yeah, oh, definitely. They're absolutely definitely. pressing. They're swinging on pitches. They're swinging for the fences. They're not just trying to play small ball. They want to make an impact with one swing. And they're pressing. They're swinging at bad pitches. They're chasing pitches. They're really out of their comfort zone. And this isn't how they've played all year. They haven't had to play with their backs against the wall like they are right now in this right. series. Right, definitely. So this is something for the young guys to learn how to do, to play with they And that, this team should be able to stay together. Most of those guys are on contract for a few more years still. Then the other thing to watch for, I remember game one, I called it, that I told my roommate, Mike, that watch for Scott Kazmir to give up a home run in the first inning. Of course, he gave up a two-run home run to Chase Utley. I, I predicted that it would be Jimmy Rollins hitting a leadoff home run. And I'll stick with that one right now because Jimmy Rollins came back. He had a few hits in the game last night. And Scott Kazmir, if you go back to the end of the regular season, he gave up like five home runs to the Tigers right then. And he was just giving up the long ball like crazy. And look for them to make pitching moves quickly if they start going down because there's this is the last game for them if they lose. So if Kazmir starts to struggle, don't expect or don't be surprised if you see – uh, David Price in the game earlier than he should be. Edwin Jackson, the pitcher they had, and Edwin Jackson could go long relief because he was a starter he was a starter in the regular he, season. They just moved. You don't need five for the playoffs. You only need four. But he pitched last night. But it should be fantastic. I think Cole Hamels is just gonna keep roll. He should be the playoff MVP because if he wins tonight, he'll be five and zero. Oh. I think his ERA is somewhere around one and a half. But that. I'm excited. Ryan Howard suddenly hitting the ball. They're actually leaving the ball a little higher up yes. in the strike zone yes. than, like we were watching game one. You were in my house watching it, and yes. he just could not lay off that little curve, curve ball. ball, that mm. curve ball down and in. It was it was ridiculous every time. He finally started hitting it to left field. That that's the key right there. And, but then the other game, like we were talking about this. Indianapolis, Tennessee football game, Monday Night Football. It should be fantastic. Tennessee's favored by four points. Who do you have in that one? Tennessee. Tennessee. I, I I like Tennessee. I think their defense is really underrated. I think they haven't. Nobody's really seen them, and they go out and make big plays. They're physical. They stay with their receivers downfield. They have a great secondary, and. I think the Colts really struggle with stopping the run, and that's not good when you play the Titans. And also, I don't think Joseph Adai is playing tonight. No, I don't think he is either. Yeah, so that's that's going to be huge. Puts a lot more pressure on Peyton. But then again, he Peyton's one of the all-time great pressure quarterbacks. And I, I still can't make a pick on this game right now. Who do you think gets more yards, Chris Johnson or Lendell White? Chris Johnson. Oh, who gets more touchdowns? Lendell White. Yes. <laughs> Lendell... <laughs> Chris Johnson, I always, I would always pick the speed back to get more yards. Although Lindell White outran the Kansas City defense that one time. That's that's tough to say. Um, I haven't seen Chris Johnson play. I. Er, Chris Johnson out of East Carolina. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen him play. But from what I've heard I, and what, what the highlights, highlights I've seen, yeah, um, he, he looks fantastic. But I mean, and that's that's the ideal running back tandem you have there the big guy who can pound it inside the and the little guy Crick. exactly and the little guy who can run on the outside and the bettis parker exactly although you know indianapolis's defense is on the smaller side all their linebackers are smaller they're more of a speed team so maybe you know maybe it will be white pounding it up the middle who gets more going but who knows i i need to see that fantasy wise i need lendell white to score <laughs> 
I need him to score three touchdowns, but I need the three tight- touchdowns. <laughs> two. I need, <laughs> score, I need him to score two touchdowns, but I need the Titans to give up some points because my player has the Titans defense. So, jeez. Oh, yeah, I, it's, it adds a little more incentive. I think we've talked about this before. I yeah. love playing fantasy football because it it adds a little more incentive that to watch all the games. It of gives course. you a reason to watch because you have something writing on each game, and you want them on goal line to play action and throw it to your receiver instead of... To give the ball to absolutely. LT and not throw it to Antonio Gates <laughs> no, in the no, end zone. I want them to play action. I want the Cowboys to play action and throw it to T.O. <laughs> on a fade route. Yes. Well, and that's that's the weird thing. I was watching... I found myself watching the, uh, the Jets game yesterday, Jets in Kansas City, and I actually said... Did you have Lavernius Coles? No, I had nobody playing. Oh. And it, it, that's how bad it is that I had to explain it that way. It's like, wow, I'm watching this game, and I don't even have anybody playing in it. it it's because I genuinely wanted to see them play. Because it was a good game. The Jets won 28-24. Tyler Thigpen out of Coastal Carolina. He had a great game for the Chiefs, and Brett Favre did not have a great game for the Jets. They still won. But I was watching that game mainly because... The, the lions weren't on. I didn't. I didn't have to watch them because they were blacked out locally. They didn't sell them tickets. They, they didn't, didn't sell. Them. They didn't even come close. It's the first time in Ford Field's history they haven't had a sellout, which goes back to 2002, I do believe. And it, I'm sure it's longer than that for back in the Silverdome, but apparently they lost 25-17. I really had no. Did you see an article written on ESPN about the Lions having a... The headline was, the Lions have a legitimate chance at going 0-16. And the it starts out saying, with all due respect to the 0-7 Bengals, the Bengals have lost by 7 or less points in their last four games. They're due to get, you know, a win. Oh, yeah. But the Lions are just... They're down by three touchdowns in the first quarter. Every that is game. true. If we were up seven to three after the first quarter, we were up ten six at halftime, and then got outscored nineteen to seven. Yeah, the, the Chiefs were beating half. the Jets too, but who ended right. up winning? Exactly, the, the Wolverines were beating the Spirons, but who ended up winning? What, what happened with the uh, the St. Louis Rams? Yeah, they uh, they blew <laughs> it. I believe they were another team that falls into that category of being up, and Matt Castle let a drive that came down and. Won the game for the Patriots, but I love I love the way the Rams are playing though. I I'm really impressed. They almost beat the Patriots now. Besides, barring that late touchdown, but Donnie right. Avery has really hit. Really, Mark Bolger appears to be back, and the, that's what, the that was move, without Stephen Jackson too. Exactly, and the move Jim Hazlitt has done great things for them, and that's I wouldn't be surprised if Rod Marinelli. If there's a move made with him, just because there's been so many made already. Mike Nolan, San Francisco 49ers, he was fired last week. I'm not sure if it was Monday after the show or Tuesday or something. Mike Singletary, the linebacker coach, former linebacker for the Chicago Bears. Oh, he was a mean, mean linebacker. He he was moved to the head coaching position. And then, the first so, thing he does, we got one in minute. The game, we, in the game, we don't have the sound clip, sadly. I couldn't get a hold of it. But he went off on Vernon Davis and sent him to the showers in the game, saying that he'd do more good for the team taking a shower and watching the game from the sideline than playing in it. said something about, I would take the penalty for only putting 10 men on the field <laughs> and play that way rather than having someone who doesn't want to play. You know what? Singletary reminds me of Mark D'Antonio. I mean, he's really firm. He's you know he disciplines players. Except Mark D'Antonio is not crazy. Well, absolutely. But that's why they hired you know as the interim they hired Mike Singletary because he will get the players' attention. Hopefully, hopefully he just didn't go a little too far on that. I mean, first game. I don't think anybody would disagree. I I want to. I I do agree with that. I mean, Vernon Davis has been up. Bust. What a bust. It was a first-round pick. What was it? Top 15 pick. He might have been top 10. Yeah, top 10. It was yeah. top 10. It was like number 6 overall. Yeah. yeah. What a bust. Yeah, it was. Just down. Oh, man. Just. But I don't know. That's that's a little insane. But who? maybe maybe it'll work. Maybe the 49ers will win, win some games. Sure. That, don't believe that at all. But we have a big game coming up next weekend. 
Halloween coming up, and we're playing the Wisconsin Badgers, who are down. They're coming in here. Get to take them on. It should be good. Should be a win. Should should be a win. Should. Oh yeah, of course. Next week, we're thank you, Autumn. Autumn reminds me we will be going live from either the first floor of Holden Hall here. We're always live, but we're moving the location, doing a live remote either in the first floor of Holden Hall here or somewhere in the Union. And we have Justin Kershaw joining us. Senior defensive yep. end. Yes, and it should be a lot of fun. You can come by and check us out, see what's going on live. There'll be promos listening for it. Throughout the week, as we figure out more and more, can, nail can it get down. An autograph. Yeah, sure. Well, we'll autograph some stuff. <laughs> Not really, but but you can still come and check us out. Be on the radio, talk some sports with us. Anybody's allowed to come and be on. We we'll want to have as Absolutely. many guests. Make it as fun as possible. You can talk if you don't like sports. We'll find something else for you to talk about. Talk about the Lions. Yeah, we probably won't because I don't like talking about them anymore. But it's been a great hour. Until next week, he's Pavel. I'm Scott. We'll toss it up to Chris with the Jazz Spectrum now, and thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.